This is Clothes Making Mavens, a sewing podcast about handmade fashion. Hi, everyone. I'm Lori. And I'm Helena. And we are the Clothes Making Mavens. We're delighted you tuned in to listen to us. We're super excited at the uh, feedback we got on our first episode, aren't we, Helena? Yes, we are. Thank you so much, everyone, for the warm welcome that you paid to us to enter the podcasting scene. Yeah, yeah, it definitely uh, boosts us up and gives us the will to go on. Uh, And I also wanted to share actually something that um, uh, Helen from helenscloset.ca wrote on her blog, which Helena and I were just so delighted to read. She says, there's a new sewing podcast in town. And she writes, I love listening to sewing podcasts at work because, well, I'd rather be sewing. Wouldn't we all? Wouldn't we all? (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. She says it's the next best thing, really. The Clothes Making Mavens is a podcast from Helena from grayallday.com and Lori from frivolousatlast.com, and their podcast is all about handmade fashion. I loved their first episode. Yay! (laughs) And I'm excited to hear more. I listen to a lot of podcasts, and this one has great sound quality, mixing, pacing, and two lovely, well-spoken hosts. Who could Mm -hmm. ask for more? Isn't that terrific? Thank you so much, Helen. We are just delighted, as you can hear. So thanks for that wonderful review. Yeah. So coming up on today's show, the topic that uh, Helena and I will be discussing is fabric. So My favorite gonna, topic. Oh, yeah. We're going <laughs> to dig into that. Uh, and we also want to share with you the responses from the question we asked you in the last episode, which was, what is the most embarrassing thing that you ever sewed and wore out in public? So we had some interesting responses to that. And I'm sure there are many more um, stories to come. So if you'd like to share, please feel free. We'll let you know how to, how to do that shortly. But maybe I'll, I'll start off, Helena, with something that Linda commented on my blog yeah so I love the way she sets this up you can almost hear music playing and perhaps even a smoke machine creating a sort of uh, situation here so 1966 11 years old and so excited to use velvet for the first time wow this is a pretty uh, precocious uh, young wo- young woman at 11 years old wanting to sew with velvet she writes it Brave. was a deep forest green for a square neck a-line dress with bell sleeves the neckline and sleeve were trimmed in cream lace well i was so excited i set out to cut it out after school while my mom was at work she came home midway through and said oh no Despite having been sewing for five years already, I'd never learned what with nap meant. I completed it as cut and went to the school Christmas concert wearing two different colors front and back. I was just devastated. Looking back, probably no one noticed, but I have since always cut in the same direction, even if fabric doesn't appear to have a nap. So that's Linda's story of her. It sounds like an amazing dress. I mean, I can just picture it, a square neckline, A-line dress with bell sleeves. Like, what a beautiful mm-hmm. retro look that must have been. Uh, 1966. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And so, yeah, so with nap, that's one of those things beginner sewists uh, must wonder about. You know, am I supposed to go take a nap in between uh, <laughs> cutting this out? I can do that. No problem. I kind of marvel at her. She'd already been sewing for five years at 11 years old. Yeah. Pretty precocious, huh? That is very impressive. Yes. Yeah. Anyway, thanks, Linda, for sharing that story with us. We have another contribution from LaSalt, and she wrote, When I was 17, 
I made a red suede vest and skirt. It was my first attempt at sewing leather and I was pleased at, with how it turned out. When I was invited to a dance by a cute fellow, I wore my new outfit. Unfortunately, during some slow dances, the color rubbed off on my date's white shirt. His mother was not pleased, and it was my first and last date with him. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking that must have been some kind of steamy dance that she was I having know. with that guy. <laughs> <laughs> Where did it rub off on him? Was it his sleeves? So that you had an appropriate distance between you when you were dancing. When we went to dances, you know, exactly. the chaperones would come by and see if they could put their hand between the dancers. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Stick an entire ruler in between. Yeah. Uh, we're sure that it only rubbed off on the very tips of his sleeves. Uh, no doubt, right? <laughs> of course. <laughs> so, and Helena, you got a terrific uh, story on our telephone line. Yeah, somebody called in. Thank you so much, Sierra from crabigailadams.wordpress.com called in with this story. Hi, my name is Sierra. I live in Kansas where it's windy. That is relevant to the story. So the most embarrassing thing I ever made was the very first dress I ever made. It was the Butterick walkway dress that has tempted so many beginning sewers to their doom. So... The one that I made actually fit pretty well in the bodice. I made a lot of adjustments and worked really hard on it. It obviously is terrible and it was the first dress that I ever made, but it was okay. The problem was that the underskirt, I thought it would be cool to have it be kind of like a mini skirt underneath the full skirt that wraps around. And so I just whacked it off at what I thought was a good mini skirt length for myself. And it ended up being a really, really mini, like almost not covering anything mini. And then to top it off, since it was the first dress I ever made, I was too scared to do actual buttons and buttonholes. And I was like, oh, I'll just put snaps in for the closure at the back that holds the underskirt in place and then the closure in the front that holds the overskirt in place. Every single time I sat down, the whole thing would come unsnapped. So I wore this thing to a play date at the playground with my daughter and some other moms that I know and their kids. And so I'm wearing this insane, vintage, huge circle skirt dress that is just not playground appropriate to begin with. It's not practical. And then every time I move to pick my kid up off the slide or I grow up and put her in the swing. The whole thing is coming unbuttoned, and I have to reach up under the back of the skirt to snap it back in place. I'm holding my breath the entire time, sucking in, trying to stop this thing from coming unsnapped. And then to top it off, I'm walking home with my daughter in the stroller, and like I said, it's windy in Kansas, so the wind is catching this big billowing dress that doesn't it's just open on the front. It's just snapped at the waist and open on the front. And it's, it blew up over my head as I was walking down the street, pushing my daughter in the stroller. And so now it lives in the closet as a memory of the first dress that I ever made that will never, ever get worn again. Thank you. Bye. That was a cute one. Oh, yeah. That's, that's terrific. Thank you so much for calling that, and we're delighted to hear it. Uh, I also got a comment from Joyce, who blogs at Seems All Right, and Seems, of course, is spelled S-E-A-M. And she 
wrote an epic comment on my blog and I thought, well, this is really quite an epic story, so I need to get this recorded directly from the horse's mouth. So Joyce and I Skyped and here's the story that she had to tell. Well, you see, I had just made Nancy's, uh, my daughter's uh, graduation dress. And uh, so this girl was her friend. So, there, you know, she's at the back door and she's like, oh, Mrs. Latham, would you make uh, my uh, maid of honor dress for my uh, sister's wedding? And, you know, <laughs> oh, I really don't want to. But she's looking at me like, uh, you know, come on. I mean, this kid is a real achiever. She's out there doing stuff all the time and getting awards and all this kind of stuff. And she's just. I, I just felt like she was looking at me like, uh, come on, you know, get with the program, do something, build up your self-confidence, you know. So I said, okay. So then she says, uh, well, easy, you know, easy dress, don't worry, no jacket or nothing. I'm like, okay, well, you bring the pattern back. I'll take, you know, I look at it. So she comes back again with the package and I look at it and it's a Vogue pattern, off-the-shoulder, uh, boning, you know, foundation, nothing holding it up, and uh, lined, you know, just everything you could think of was there. So I said, well, okay, uh, what size are you? And she says, uh, size? Like as if, you know, there shouldn't even be a size. Uh, she says, um, oh, 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 10, yeah, yeah size 10. Well, you know, you buy retail, maybe 10, but the sewing is probably larger. So anyway, I, uh, you know, she's out the door. It's Friday night. They got to go. So off she goes. And uh, so I start cutting and putting this dress together. And, um, you know, she, for so for the first fitting, I decided I would like my boss to check it. And she said that um, it was a little small, but uh, it should be because the only thing holding it up is the, is the bone. It needs to be tight. And honestly, after that, I read on the pattern, uh, you know, the bust needs to be within a quarter of an inch of the actual measurement. So... Uh, so that was fine, and then what happened? And then she was, uh, oh, she's always busy, you know, and I'm trying to find out, uh, you know, when can you come back? And, oh, I don't know, you know, i got to go to this uh, cancer kid counseling thing for a week, and then I'm here, and then I'm there, and I'm all oh, my God. Anyway, <laughs> so I am having sleepless nights, like, oh, my God, is this going to, you know, what's she, what's she wearing for shoes? I don't know. Like, when I was cutting... I had already cut the length. Like, what if she wants to wear some big platform shoes because she's kind of on the short side? I, you know, sweat, 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 and, and worry. So anyway, then she shows up for uh, another fitting, I think, and it was okay. And then she was going to come back for the last one with the hemming. So there she is at my back door again, and it's Friday night, and they're going out, and she's like, uh, oh, thank you, Mrs. Latham. You're great, you know, the dress is great, you know. I'm like, yeah, you're great. We're going back and forth about how great we are. And then all of a sudden she says, uh, even if the material's inside out. And I just died. 
I honestly, I couldn't focus. I was like, what did you just say? And she said, don't worry about it. It would be a big joke at the wedding. Don't worry about it. The material was inside out. I forgot to tell you. Shiny side in. So uh, and the story doesn't end there because uh, then about an hour and a half later, I get a phone call from her mother. And the mother says, did you touch Missy's dress? And I'm squeaking, no. <laughs> and she says, uh, oh, good, because I just got a phone call from one of the other bridesmaid seamstresses and they did the same thing i learned a lesson say no (laughs) (laughs) so that was joyce's story from seems all right we loved all your stories about embarrassing makes but now we would like to hear about your proudest sewing moment Um, the way you can do that is by calling 401-64-MAVEN You can also go to the website at closemakingmavens.com and you can click the link to go to SpeakPipe and that will record your message straight from your computer and just tell us your story there. Then we can add your voice right into our podcast, which we love. We'd love to get a lot of different sewers uh, voices here on the blog, not just me and Laura. So, but if you are shy about getting your voice on here, don't worry, writing a comment is just as effective we'll read it on the air and we can all enjoy it that way too so yes our next question is what is your proudest sewing moment what about you helena what was your proudest sewing moment i've had a few lately because i've really stepped up my sewing game which is amazing but i do know anything that my mom is impressed with is (laughs) is like the holy grail, right? And um, because A, she's a professional, and B, she's your mom, right? <laughs> right. And and when I was growing up, she was she was um, helpful in that she would point out my mistakes a lot. <laughs> and so, um, so when she says I do something well, that means that it's really high praise. She's not going to just say that. She's not the mom that's just like, oh, honey, good job. You know, she's she's um, got a, a real eye for that. And Recently, I showed her a pair of shorts I made, and I had, um, you know, done a a really nice waistband. I was really proud of my waistband and the inside of the waistband and how I put a ribbon um, to cover the the um, inside edge, and my zipper insertion was right on and everything. And she said, "Oh my, those look designer!" And I was just proud as a peacock. I love those shorts now. That's yeah. great. Were they floral shorts by any chance? Yeah, they're the white ones with the blue um, flowers. Yeah. I love those. When I saw them on your blog, I was just like, oh boy, I just think, yeah, those are the cat's pajamas, Helena. Awesome. You should Thank be very you. proud of those. Thanks. <laughs> I am. I am. Thank you. How about awesome. you? What's your proudest sewing moment, Lori? Well, you know, that's a tough one. I'd probably have to think about it a, a little more, but I tend to think about not so much on a specific garment, but the moment when you complete it and you put it on and it fits 
and it works. And in a way, that's sort of a, a bit of a beginner response because you're still sort of amazed that you can actually sew something and it's actually a real garment and it doesn't <laughs> fall off your body the minute you put it on. So I still right. have that little moment of amazement when I finish something and, and pull it on. Um, and so in a way, I have that proud moment every time I make something. And I'm still really excited that, wow, this I, I made this. <laughs> yeah. I, well, I agree with you because that's why we sew. I mean... Yeah. Yeah, it does give us that that thrill. Yeah, for sure. So um, listeners, please do contact us and tell us about your proudest sewing moment. And once again, the telephone number is 401-64-MAVEN. Uh, you can go to our website to leave a voicemail there as well. It's closemakingmavens.com. You can leave a comment. You can email us at closemakingmavens at gmail.com. Many ways to yeah. contact us. Great. Um, so why don't we talk about fabric? My favorite subject. Yeah, that's oh my kind goodness. of the focus of today's, uh, today's discussion. So um, why don't you tell us about your favorite fabric to sew with? Well, I got to say that it seems like everyone should just say silk crepe de chine because it is amazing to sew with silk and it presses and it's you know, amazing to wear, but um, crepe de chine doesn't slip around like regular silk, you know, because it's got the the crepe, which I think is a twisted fiber. I think they twist the fibers when they, they weave it. Mm-hmm. and So that so gives it, it a bit of a, a grabby texture a little right. bit. Right. Mm-hmm. So it's not so bad to sew with. I think it's, it's quite nice, but I don't do much sewing with that. So it seems kind of like a, a lame answer. <laughs> <laughs> is it is it drapey or is it has it got more body because it's crepe? It's still drapey, but it has body. So mm-hmm. that's the wonderful thing about it. And you can get lighter weights and, and heavier weights, but you can get more of a, a bottom weight that you could make an entire dress out of and not feel like you're showing every lump and bump. Mm-hmm. Um, and then you can get a lighter weight. But um, it's, it's a dream to sew with and just a dream to touch and all that. But... Um, in real life, I don't sew with silk crepe de chine very often. <laughs> um, so I love sewing and I've been collecting a lot of rayon lately. I really like rayon. Um, I was recently down in LA and I got a bunch of rayons. They're Korean rayons and they they're um they don't shrink as much they don't crinkle up like some rayons do when you wash them so you can Mm -hmm. pre-wash these i made a really beautiful blue royal blue um top my pattern the athena top Mm -hmm. and i made out of this beautiful royal blue and i washed that because i probably sweated in it and it crinkled up like it just, it won't go back to being smooth. It's so sad. Oh so, no. Yeah. So that's one of the dangers with, I think, um, perhaps Chinese rayon. Uh, I didn't do a ton of research before this podcast. I'm just going from the yeah. information that I've gathered from the LA Garment District and um, and kind of comparing things. But 
so there's there's different qualities of rayon but the ones that i've been getting lately have been amazing and they're drapey but they're opaque and they are easy to sew with and um and they work really well with the stuff i'm sewing now which is a lot of loose flowy because it's hot Mm -hmm. here so oh yeah it's perfect for that sort of thing and i mean you live in you live in southern california so you've got that year-round wonderful climate but um up here in toronto where i am it's it's definitely the perfect fabric for summer sewing and i've been thinking about sewing some kind of a uh a loose drapey romper type thing if I but I haven't found the right rayon yet but I, I have that in my head and I would love to have that for a for a summer outfit for sure yeah it would work great for that and they have the most beautiful prints in rayon that's mm-hmm. the colors and the prints if you I love that I don't sew plain basics I like to do something more exciting so so that is why it's one of my favorites how about you yeah. Yeah, well, it's just going to actually respond to you saying you don't sew really plain stuff, and, <laughs> and neither do I, and it's probably to my detriment that I don't. I'm always just completely seduced by the crazy prints in the fabric stores, and then I come home with all of these ridiculous prints, and if I were to sew a wardrobe out of them, there's like I couldn't even put an outfit together. So I'm definitely guilty of that, and I try very hard to make myself buy plain, solid material so that I can make something every once in a while that actually goes with something else I made. But it's really hard because I really am seduced by those exciting prints. So yeah, but that's okay. That's what the uh, the stores are for. If I need a plain, a plain basic, I can always go buy it if I don't feel like making it right. Right. Uh, Embarrassingly Mm -hmm. enough, I'm not wearing anything handmade today. And I am wearing a plain purple tank top. So (laughs) I actually have a, a t-shirt on that I, I made today, and it's got a wild, crazy print on the front and some plain material on the back. So it's <laughs> cute. I love it. Well, thanks. In terms of my favorite fabric, I think um, I haven't quite discovered it yet, I think. I know that for sure I love to sew with knits in general the most because they're quite forgiving and very comfortable to wear. Yeah. Um, when you sew with wovens, you really have to get the fit spot on. And if you don't, then, you know, there really isn't much give at all. So I really love knits. And I say poo-poo to all of this. I don't know what it is. People seem to talk about knits as if they're, ooh, knits, they're really hard to sew with. Um, and I think that's total crap. So if anybody listening is laboring under that impression that, you know, oh, I'm too scared to try try sewing with knits, um, I don't know why that impression has been given. I find them really easy to sew with. You just have to have the uh, the right tools, i.e., either using a zigzag stitch or some other stretch stitch that your that your sewing machine comes with, and or using a serger, which I know not everybody has, and they can be quite expensive. But sewing knits with a serger is wonderful, and also using a twin needle. And those are all easy things you can just look up in your sewing machine's manual and and get rolling with. And then you've got yourself a wonderful stretchy garment that fits beautifully. And even if it doesn't fit beautifully, you kind of can't tell which is lovely. (laughs) I agree with you. And I've never had a problem with knits, except um, I have been sewing on that Bernina that we've talked about, the vintage, um, for my whole life. And then I got a brother embroidery machine uh, so that I could do embroidery and also so that it would do automatic buttonholes. (laughs) That's mostly what I use it for now. But um, I tried to sew knits on that. And the pressure on the pressure foot the, mm-hmm. no the pressure on the presser foot mm-hmm. um really stretched out my knits like it was a wavy 
crappy mess and there's no way to adjust it on that machine. Ah. And so I wonder if some other people are having that problem and you just, it's a, it's really disheartening. Yeah, I can imagine that. Yeah. Yeah. So I think some um, machines handle knits a little better than others. That's, that's very true. I have an old vintage uh, Singer machine that uh, my mother gave to me, and I think she bought it in the early 80s. And so it's purely cool. mechanical and uh, works great. And I have no trouble sewing knits on that whatsoever, but it's got these sort of old-fashioned zigzag stitch um, mm-hmm. on it. And then when I got a new – what did I buy? I bought um, a, a Brother and it's uh, more modern. I bought it last year. And whenever I sew with lightweight knits, it it sucks the knit right down into, um, yeah, you know, underneath. the throat plate. Yeah, mm-hmm. exactly. Thank you. Um, and so that was super frustrating. And I thought, well, this really sucks. Like I can't sew knits on this machine. But then I realized that there's a really easy fix. Um, oh. And so I just um, tear up a little piece of uh, tissue paper and fold it in half or in three and stick it underneath the fabric um, right where uh, I begin the stitching. And then I stitch through that and then rip it off afterwards. And the tissue paper gives it just enough weight so that the fabric doesn't get pressed down into the throat plate. So that solved the problem entirely. And it was a really simple fix. But at first I thought, oh my God, I'm going to have to take this machine back. It sucks, it knits. And that's all I really want to sew these days. And uh, so it was a really simple fix. I was delighted to, to learn about it and realize that it, it changed everything. Oh, that's a great tip. Mm-hmm. My tip was not good. My tip was <laughs> just use use the machine that works for knits. It's not very practical. It's not very applicable. I'm <laughs> no, sorry. But it's a, it is a good tip. I mean, if there is a machine that really is not going to work for it, then it's good to know. What's the worst fabric you ever sewed with? Oh, the most I, difficult. This is, this is fresh in my mind because this just happened. I sewed the Eagle Jacket. Uh, from uh, Vanessa Pouzet. Uh It's French. Perhaps you'd have some insight in how to pronounce that last name. Um, <laughs> I'm not, I'm not going to attempt it if I don't see it in front of me. Pouzet, uh, perhaps? Who knows? Perhaps. <laughs> she, it's, a, it's a beautiful jacket, and it, um, it needed something a bit drapey because it's got kind of this, uh, the lapels drape kind of in a waterfall way. And... So I wanted to make it for, uh, I just, I had a really specific color in mind and um, time frame in mind for that. Oh, because of the, the pattern review wardrobe contest. So I went to Joanne's and found this like peach skin kind of a fabric. So it's all poly. It's kind of a suede texture on one side and kind of a... Um, a flat texture on the other, a matte, maybe it's a little shiny texture on the other. And it had nice drape and it was the right color and it kind of went with my theme. My theme was like this boho chic theme that I was going for this summer, um, going with the flowy and and that kind of thing. And it was in the right color, which was uh, cream. So I started sewing on that and it was a nightmare, especially a jacket. Oh my goodness, where you have to press everything or it just looks horrible Mm -hmm. it doesn't press it slipped around it just was really it didn't ravel which is nice but it was it just 
didn't hang right once I got it into layers on the lapel. It didn't hang right anymore. And, um, and it didn't mesh well with the, the poly lining that I picked because that was, I mean, it didn't have a ton of choices. Mm. You um, pulled it off well in the pictures, Helena. I must say you looked pretty great in that, in that jacket. No, no, no. But- that jacket is not the jacket. Oh, like, that's I not scrapped so, oh, that jacket. That you was scrapped the, it. It was a mm, water. <laughs> mm-hmm. I could not say. Well, there were fit issues also in that jacket. The pattern is um, really cleverly put together, but you can't try it on for fit before you uh, get it all finished. Right. And so I did not like how it fits. It's really important with that jacket that it fits right in the shoulders. And I have weird shoulders. <laughs> I have since discovered that I need to do a forward shoulder adjustment just a, just a tad to get things to fit well on me. Mm. So even the jacket that I did end up making um, doesn't fit as perfectly as I'd like, but it's a process of yeah. learning how to fit yourself. Yeah. Um, so I had to scrap that entire one and remake it. By then I was really good at it actually <laughs> and sew that up really quickly, but um, I would not recommend that fabric at all. Oh, that's that worked out well in the end. That's good. And I don't think that's so weird that you have to do a forward shoulder adjustment. I think that's fairly common. I mean, especially nowadays when we're all on computers and everything yeah, we do day. is sort of looking forward and down and um, scientists and sociologists are even talking about how we're developing sort of longer necks because we're constantly looking down and to, to text and look at our phones and that sort of thing. So um, oh, interesting. Yeah, I think uh, a lot of us hold our, our shoulders uh, well forward because of those things. We don't spend a lot of time kind of reaching back and stretching out, but sort of curled over forward. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and the forward shoulder adjustment is not hard, and I don't need too much of it, but it makes all the difference in how things lay on the shoulders. And and I would have a, a an issue where all my shirts were kind of creeping backwards on me. Mm-hmm. And kind of choking me. And um, I've just done this with a couple items so far, and it has worked wonders. So, what, if you what have does that it issue, entail? Like, uh, do you have tips for how that's done? Just moving the um, shoulder seam forward. So, adding to the back just mm-hmm. half an inch. And, well, not even half an inch, really. It depends on the. the item I guess and um, taking a half inch off the front well maybe what we can do is uh, in the notes for this podcast we will share um, maybe some links to advice on on that particular type of adjustment if people are are interested good idea great so tell me about where you like to shop Helena you're you're close to Los Angeles right so do you uh, head into town a lot to do shopping there I am so lucky to be close to Los Angeles um, but I am about an hour and a half away and that, that hour and a half is so variable because of traffic. Mm-hmm. You've heard of LA traffic. And so, um, I only have, I've only gone, um, twice since I've lived here. So twice in the last year. So it's not super, um, accessible to me, but it is worth a trip and it is uh, a wonderland. It's amazing. Uh, the first time I went shopping in the LA garment district, or it's called the fashion district, excuse me. Um, I was shaking from excitement. I was so <laughs> excited about all the different fabrics and the prices were amazing. So um, oh yeah, oh, fantastic. Yeah, yeah. I, I recommend everyone come and check it out. Uh, 
And Lori, you're invited. Anytime you want to come, we would have the best time there. It's great. That sounds but great. Any of our listeners, if you're coming down, <laughs> if you're coming down to Disneyland or you're coming down to um, a trip to Southern California and you want to meet up in the Garment District, I think that would be so fun if I could swing that um, to go with other sewists. I always go with my mom and she is not as much of a garment sewist so she she does alterations for wedding dresses and so she doesn't get quite as excited about the possibilities with the um the fashion fabrics as i do she's more practical <laughs> but so it would be fun to do to go with um actual garment sewists and 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 you could start shaking from excitement too <laughs> oh i'm sure i would that's great and thanks for that invitation and you know that's what i do love about the online sewing community is you do feel like you know people when you follow their blogs or see what they're making on instagram and that sort of thing you, you get to know a little bit about them and it doesn't feel weird to put out an invitation like that to say hey sew us if you're in town let me know and we'll go hang out kind of thing um in fact something similar happened to me where um Vancouver Barbara, that's her handle online. She commented on my blog fairly often. And then she reached out to me to say, you know, I'm I'm coming from Vancouver to Toronto. I'm on my way to Europe and I'm stopping over in Toronto to visit a friend. Would you like to get together for coffee? And I thought, terrific. How nice. You know, why not? And um, so we did that. And we, uh, she doesn't actually blog and Oh, how I wish she did. She is an incredible sewer. She was wearing beautiful clothes that she had made. Um, We talked about clothes. We talked about jewelry making. She showed me some custom jewelry that she had had designed because she knew that I was kind of into silversmithing and that sort of thing. We talked about art and galleries and museums and we really hit it off and then we went for a bit of a fabric shop together um, at designer fabrics down on queen street west and it was just fabulous so um, it's really nice to be able to meet people through the sewing community that way i called it my uh, my sewing blind date which actually turned out <laughs> really really well and another funny story about barbara Uh, She saw uh, a post that I had made. I made a dress out of this sort of wool blend fabric that had sort of a combination of zebra stripes and some purple and gray um, vertical stripes. Uh, It sounds horrifying when I describe it, but it it, it was actually quite nice. Uh, And she loved it when she saw it. She said, where did you get this fabric? It was from King Textiles here in Toronto. Um, And she said I had to have it but they don't do online sales at this particular fabric store so she called them up and said well can you just mail some to me if I pay you and they said well we don't really do that you'd have to buy in bulk and she said well what's the minimum and I think they told her 15 yards and she said fine sign me up so (laughs) so she had 15 yards sent out to her in Vancouver because she loved it so much and so I imagine she's creating herself an entire wardrobe now out of that uh that fabric. So really appreciate that she is a woman who knows exactly what she wants and goes for it. Yeah, that's adorable. That's a good <laughs> good story. Yeah. So what is the fabric shopping like in Toronto, where you are, Lori? Well, it's pretty good. It's um, There are a lot of independent uh, shops, uh, all concentrated pretty much in one area, sort of along Queen Street West, which is a big uh, shopping area in Toronto. Um, And it's a bit of a mix. So some of them are like kind of 
jumbled up messes that you have to kind of paw your way through um, Mm -hmm. and maybe get some advice from the shopkeeper who may or may not be pretty ornery and others are (laughs) set out pretty nicely so so there's a big mix Um, and there's a really interesting shop that sells all kinds of findings and leather trim and you know anything you need bra inserts um, uh, eyelets they'll even put on eyelets and snaps for you in the shop there for a very very uh, cheap price which is great so they're really handy and they're on Spadina yeah oh, that's amazing mm-hmm. yeah that's a great resource there too bad I can't remember the name I'll have to put it in the show the uh, show notes <laughs> okay <laughs> do you ever do any um, online fabric shopping Helena I don't do a ton um I do a lot of online browsing. Mm-hmm. I am very <laughs> good at that, but I haven't. I resent the shipping costs. I want to touch it too. I just I just yeah. want to touch them. So there are some really interesting things that I have in the back of my mind. When I'm ready, I want to order from Gorgeous Fabrics because I love how much um, information she puts on there. And I feel like she is very accessible if I had a question about it before I ordered because it's a little spendy mm-hmm. um, she would answer questions which would be really valuable for workout clothes though I do need to that's a tricky thing to find it's tricky to find in the in the fashion district and it's just tricky to find in general but I was on a forum on pattern review and it was I think the forum for the activewear contest that was earlier this year mm-hmm. and at the beginning somebody aggregated a bunch of resources for online activewear shopping so it's specifically activewear and all different weights and types um, and I thought that was an incredible resource. I don't get into the pattern review forums very often, but I do like the contest forums when I'm going to, when I'm thinking about um, entering that contest. And, but this one was like a resource that you could use for a long time. So um, I'll find that and I'll link it in the show notes for you Mm -hmm. guys. Yeah, I think that's where online fabric shopping is good is when there's a specialist in a particular type of fabric. Um, Mm -hmm. And you know that they've built their whole business around specializing in that. So you could probably feel pretty confident about talking with them and figuring out what the best uh, thing to order is. But yeah, it is a scary thing because they're cutting fabric and, you know, for the most part, you can't send it back. And so if you make the wrong choice, it's uh, it's tough. Um, I have done some online shopping, but uh, like you, the shipping costs are outrageous. And certainly anything coming from the United States to Canada uh, is crazy i mean i'll often go to sites and they'll say oh it's free shipping over 50 bucks if you're in the u.s but and i'm in toronto i mean it practically can throw a stone across lake ontario to the u.s <laughs> um and instead of free shipping it's sort of you know 35 dollars or 40 dollars <gasps> and then oh, factor in the exchange harsh. rate for the canadian dollar we pay about 25 percent extra on anything we're buying in uh, american dollars so it gets way too pricey although i have been known to my, my parents spend a few weeks in florida every winter and so i have been known to have something shipped to them from uh, you know an american fabric retail so that I can get the free shipping and I can avoid any kind of um, uh, duties, export taxes that might happen over the border and they can they can mule, mule it home.
home for me over the border. <laughs> <laughs> That's a great idea. Yeah. But it is really tough. And I actually bought a book to help me figure out what fabrics are. So so when you can't touch them and you don't really have a sense of them, I, I got this book. It's called Fabric for Fashion, the Swatch Book. Um, oh. It's by Clive Hallett and Amanda Johnston. And it was not cheap. I'll tell you that right up front. I can't remember exactly how much I paid, but it was not cheap. But it's a really great resource because there are swatches of every type of fabric in the book. So it explains how that particular fabric is made and you can give it a good feel and um, sort of test the weight and the the, the hand of, of the fabric. So I find that kind of a, a, a useful thing, not only for sewing in general, but certainly if you're going to buy fabric online, then you can kind of, if it's a fabric you've never really experienced before, you can get some sense of it from this book. So yeah. yeah that sounds great. Yeah. I am frustrated by uh, different fabric stores calling the same thing different things though. That happens, yeah. And yeah, so do they give a couple different names for um, the fabrics? Yeah, they will indicate if it's known as something else generally. Um, I mean, what it doesn't really do is give you a bunch of different weights of the same fabric. So that yeah. is a bit of a drawback here. But um, but it has been useful as I've been. That was, for me, was the hardest thing about getting into sewing was understanding fabric. I think it is the hardest thing. I think it continues to be the hardest thing is... Yeah is understanding fabric, understanding what techniques to apply to each fabric um, and how to get the best outcome. And like I said, just, just had a complete water because of my fabric choice um, recently. It's, it's a never ending process of learning or a never ending process of frustration, depending on how you look yeah. at it. <laughs> right. Okay. <laughs> Let's call it learning just to keep ourselves optimistic. <laughs> no, it's, it's, it's so true. And I think that is just part of it. You have to have those, those waters, those things that you sewed up and it was so terrible. You threw it straight into the, the garbage can or hopefully the fabric recycling. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah. And I think that just comes with experience. The more I sew, the more I understand about how fabric behaves. And I get to know a little bit more about just mm -hmm. the names, just the names of all the different types of mm -hmm. fabric it was so overwhelming when I first started off, even just buying a pattern and it would say recommended fabrics include and just that list would would intimidate me. What does that mean? What what fabric is that? Um, so, yeah, I think um, we can all commiserate about that, that whole idea of just fabric choice being the most difficult thing about sewing. Absolutely. Mm. One interesting thing that's on the market now is designing your own fabric with Spoonflower or My Fabric Designs, I think, also does that. Um, and it is a really intriguing idea. Uh, have you tried it? Well, I have certainly been lurking around the Spoonflower site an awful lot lately, and I ordered a, a pack of their uh, swatches. You can get swatches of their fabric bases for, I think, a dollar or something like that. So that's worth having just to check out what, what kind of fabric you would be getting. Um, I don't know if I have the capacity to actually create a design myself, um, but I love browsing all the designs that have been added by other people and perhaps choosing from one of those. So I think a Spoonflower purchase is in my fairly immediate future. Um, one thing that I got excited about, I don't know if you saw Sprout com, which is, I think, a subsidiary or a partner of Spoonflower. Oh. Uh, and so at Sprout, you can actually purchase 
a pattern. They have a partnership with a number of independent pattern companies like Named, for example. So I had been looking at Named's uh, kimono style robe. Mm -hmm. And so you can buy that pattern through Sprout and you can have the pattern printed directly onto fabric that you picked out from Spoonflower. So when you get the fabric, you just go ahead and cut. You tell them your size. Um, you can play a little bit with the layout of the pattern on the fabric. Uh, you can play a little bit with uh, using more than one fabric, so maybe a solid in this area of the pattern and a, and, um, a print in that area. So um, I haven't quite pushed the trigger yet because, again, the U.S., dollar exchange rate to Canadian oh, is, is yeah. pretty, you know, so yeah. it would get pretty spendy for me to do that. But um, I was pretty excited about that whole concept of having the pattern printed directly onto the fabric and you get it, you just lay into it and cut. And you know what okay. else they do, which is really cool. Sorry if this sounds like an infomercial, it really isn't, but I'm just <laughs> kind of excited about it at the moment. Um, they actually factor in the shrinkage. So you can pre-wash the fabric when you get it and it will shrink, and they have already factored that into the printing on. So um, when it shrinks, it will shrink down to the exact size that you need it to be. Whoa, yeah, that is very clever. And that is cool. very, yeah, that's very forward thinking too. Yeah, that's, that's one of the questions I would have immediately for them. That sounds amazing because cutting is the worst. Cutting is the worst part of any sewing projects for me. So yeah, the worst part is taping together PDF patterns. Ugh. I hate that. I do it while I'm watching TV, so it doesn't bother me too much. It's one of those mindless activities that I can do while I'm, you know, spending quality time with the television. So it doesn't. <laughs> I do too. And I still hate it. <laughs> I mean, it'd be better to be sitting watching TV and eating chocolates. I understand. But you could be taping a PDF together and maybe yeah. that will limit your chocolate consumption. So that's not a bad thing. Oh, that, that is a good point, Helena. That's an, <laughs> another excellent tip. <laughs> Uh, well, there's so much to talk about when it comes to fabric, and I'm sure that we will uh, delve into this topic um, more in future episodes. And we would love to hear from listeners in terms of uh, if you have reactions to anything we've discussed here or want to share your, um, you know, a difficult fabric you've worked with or what your favorite one is, uh, please do get in touch with us. We will give the uh, contact information again at the end of the podcast, and it's always available on our website at closemakingmavens.com. And we'd be delighted to hear any kind of reaction or feedback that you have. Yes, thanks. So Helena, a regular feature of this podcast will be your discussions with Maris. Why don't you tell us a little bit about that? And I think um, we're going to uh, meet Maris coming up. Maris uh, blogs over at SewMaris.com, and she is a sewing teacher, a blogger, and Etsy store owner that's based in Seattle. And she has a bunch of great knowledge that she'd like to share with us, and we'd like to have her as a con contributor to our podcast. So we will be hearing from her on a regular basis. And um, what we decided would be great is if we could have a little get-to-know-you session with her um, answer some questions about her background so you know a little bit about her and then we're going to hear from her um, she'll give us a sewing tip or she'll explain a cool gadget and um, we're hoping to get some knowledge dropped on us from her so let's hear about her great hi Maris Helena, thank you so much. It's so sweet of you to include me, and I'm really excited about talking to your listeners. 
we are glad to have you and to have another voice here. Thank so, you. um, why don't you tell us about your teaching? So how long have you been teaching and what do you teach? So I started teaching about six years ago. I used to work for Microsoft and I decided one day that I was going to take a job outside of Microsoft, which I did. And I worked for another company for about a year. And at the end of that year, unfortunately, or in my case, I would say fortunately, I got laid off. And so I talked to my husband and said that I really wanted to start a sewing business. And I wasn't exactly sure what I wanted to do. But one thing I thought I wanted to try was teaching sewing. I've sewn for so long. It's crazy. When I tell the kids, particularly the kids that I <laughs> teach, that I've been sewing for over 50 years, I just, you know, I look at them and I think, what do these kids think when they are <laughs> listening to somebody who's been doing something, anything for over 50 years. It sounds crazy to me. And so I've been, I started about six years ago and now I teach adults. I teach children. I teach men. I've taught a few young boys, not too many, but a few. And I teach mostly, I would say, private sewing lessons. In the summertime, I do a few sewing camps, and sometimes during the school year, I do camps on the weekend of just a few kids at a time. And um, But primarily, I teach private sewing lessons, and I can assure you that I'm all about garments all the time. <laughs> oh, good. You'll fit right in here. I know. It's like a you know, it's it's just all garments all the time around here. So in the garment sewing world, what do you think is your area of expertise? That is a great question. The first thing that really comes to mind for me is shirts. I love to make shirts. And I started that about seven or eight years ago. I started making shirts for my husband. And I worked on the fit for him. And then I also worked on my construction techniques. And I've really tried to pick up techniques from lots of different places. David Page Coffin, of course, mm -hmm. is the guru of shirt making. Mm -hmm. And I've learned a lot from him. Kathleen Fazanella, who is, uh, she blogs at the Fashion, Fashion incubator. incubator. Yeah, yeah, she's great. She has a lot of tips on things. And then, you know, just lots of other blogs and places. And um, I think that's probably one of my favorite things to make. When I, I do lots of different kinds of sewing, I do lots of T-shirts, lots of knits, you know, lots of pants, lots of skirts and dresses. But sometimes I'm just like, oh, I haven't sewn a shirt in a while. I really need to make a shirt. <laughs> So I would love to talk more about that. I can talk for hours and hours about shirt making. Okay, good. We'll pick your brain um, in the future Done. about that. Let's do it. <laughs> Great. So um, what do you consider your best learning experience to date? Well, I think the class, so I belong to the American Sewing Guild. I'm a big proponent of the American Sewing Guild, ASG. Yes. So I've taken a lot of classes at their conferences, 
And I would say that the most significant learning experience that I had was from Susan Colgy. She came to the Seattle area and taught a week-long course on, and you could actually make anything that you wanted to. It was kind of a free, free-form thing. It was bring a muslin and she would help you with fit and then you could go into the construction. And a lot of us made Chanel jackets, but not everybody. Some people made dresses. Some, uh, I know one woman made a full length coat, not, not floor length, but you know, full street length coat, dress coat. And there were quite a few different garments there. So, and she just worked with every person individually on their project. She taught some general techniques and then she worked individually with every person. And, I learned a huge amount from her. She's really a fantastic teacher. I've also taken classes from her at several ASG conferences. So I I would really recommend her as a great teacher. Do you have any advice for others who'd like to teach sewing? I have great advice for people who want to teach sewing because I received this advice from a fantastic teacher. Her name is Judy Barlett. She used to teach for ASG, and she's both a national and international teacher. She's retired now, so she's no longer teaching for health reasons. But one of the things that she said, she told me two things when I was talking to her about whether I should start teaching or not. And I was trying to decide, do I need any credentials? Do I need to go someplace and get, you know, I don't even know where that place might be, but do I need some kind of credentials that say, oh, yes, you know, I'm a sewing goddess? Hmm. And she said, forget it. You know tons about sewing, and it's more important that you start and you just do it. And I think that was really excellent advice. And for people of my generation who believe in credentials and believe in, you know, schooling and education, it was a little bit out of my comfort zone to take that advice. But I did, and I'm really glad that I did. And the other thing that she said to me was, don't worry about being everything to every student you are going to find your own special gift that you are going to give your students. And that's all you have to give them. You don't need to give them everything because each teacher that they have will give them something different. Just concentrate on your gift and give it to your students. Uh, so we, Lori and I asked each other some, um, some kind of silly questions when we were getting together. <laughs> to know each other uh so we thought we'd throw one at you if you were a sewing notion what would you be and why oh that is so easy i would be a rotary cutter because i like speed baby (laughs) i like to sew fast i like to cut out fast i like to do everything fast i it drives me insane to (laughs) sew slowly i'm always moving the speed control to the fastest possible setting so rotary cutter would be my notion because of its speed and we also are asking our listeners to uh, call in and tell us their most embarrassing thing that they've ever sewn and worn out in public. So I was wondering if you had something embarrassing you'd like to share. I have two things that I can think of. One is when I was 
a kid and learning how to sew granny dresses, which they're called maxi dresses now, but we called them granny dresses, were kind of a big style. And I think back now on some of those dresses that I made and I just think, really? <laughs> that maybe wasn't my best look. And also, the first shirt I made my husband, I'm really embarrassed about. <laughs> but it was just my first one. Mm -hmm. And I definitely got better after that. I think that really is the message about sewing. That it doesn't really matter what your first attempt looks like. That's just getting you going. <laughs> you know, it's getting you in the door. Yeah. And... If you like the thing, if you're interested in the process, work at it. You'll get better. That's great advice. And we are going to look forward to hearing more advice from you in upcoming episodes. So thank you so much. You're welcome. Thanks for having me. So it's great to hear about Maris, and I'm super excited to have her as a regular contributor to, um, to, to drop the knowledge, as you say, on us, because it sounds like she's got some great expertise, and I look forward to, to learning some new things from her. Yeah, she's going to be great. Well, I guess that brings us to the end of uh, this episode. So thanks, Elena. It's been great chatting with you, as always. Thank you, Lori. Oh, my pleasure. And thanks so much to uh, everyone who's tuned in for a listen. And I'll just remind you, um, if you'd like to get in touch with us and leave some feedback, we'd be delighted to share your stories. You can get in touch with us through our website, closemakingmavens.com, where uh, there is a link where you can actually record a voicemail for us if you'd like to tell us a story. You can call us at 401-64-MAVEN. And we just really look forward to hearing from you. Yes, thank you. Okay, bye for now, Helena. Until next time. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Clothes Making Mavens podcast. For more information and more episodes, visit clothesmakingmavens.com. We would love to hear from you. You'll find options for sending us an email, leaving a comment, or even a voicemail on clothesmakingmavens.com. Hope to hear from you soon, and thanks for listening. Thanks for listening.